but I was thinking about Mandela not being in the same health as he was for the Rugby World Cup. Mm. I just wanted to go Invictus. <laughs> do, do the poem. <laughs> do the poem Invictus. <laughs> Diplomatic immunity. The Germans and they're in trouble. Alcantara couldn't do it. Lidica probably could. Welcome everybody to the final countdown, a podcast looking back at great finals within the game of football. I am Lewis, here with my co-host Adam. Hello there. Uh, and it is my turn to cover the final list yeah. this week. It is the 2014 World Cup final, uh, hosted in Brazil. It's the fifth time that it's been in South America and the second time that it's been in Brazil since which year, Adam? Pop quiz. Oh, 1950. Look at that. Yeah. Took you a couple of seconds to get your head in the game, but here we are. Sorry, mate. 1950. Uh, Colombia were originally tabled uh, to host, but then withdrew, leaving Brazil unopposed You're joking. in their bid. What's wrong with Colombia? That's they, the second time they've done that. Well, uh, they just don't want it. They, they don't, don't like don't, it up them. That's no, the problem. They don't, do they? Um, there were, however, a few concerns voiced in the build-up, uh, as whether Brazil had the safety and infrastructure yeah, and enough this. stadiums to, uh, fit for purpose. So um, it was put under a spotlight throughout the tournament as loads of issues were highlighted, mm. uh, worker safety, there were eight deaths of workers. Uh, there were fires um, in stadium construction. There were breaches into stadiums by unticketed uh, fans. Lots of kind of horrible things, including also a collapse of a makes makeshift staircase at the Maracana Stadium. Um, a monorail oh, really? collapse. There was it almost felt like it was cursed in the mm. run up to it. So there were lots and lots of concerns, but. As with FIFA, they just ploughed on because, yeah, rather than The say, money's going to come in anyway. Yeah, so. exactly. Rather than go, actually, this isn't fit for purpose. Can someone else step in last minute? They just decided to go ahead. But luckily, there were no huge in- incidents during the World Cup itself, which was which was great. Um, prior to the opening ceremony, though, uh, Brazil hosted the Confederations Cup the year previous. as almost oh, a bit yeah. of a dummy run, yeah. um, which still kind of happens now and again when it, when it can be lined up. But both President of Brazil, Dilma Rousseff, and FIFA President Sepp Blatter were heavily booed as they gave their opening speeches of the Confederations <laughs> Cup um, and there was a huge amount of controversy brought from the fact that Romario of obviously Brazilian yep. fame he was now a political figure and he labelled this World Cup the biggest theft in history saying that he believed that the real cost despite what had been advertised would exceed over £26 billion pounds. Um, he called for a deeper investigation into the misuse of public funds um, and he helped continue lots of protests but uh, ultimately it all went Head anyway, anyway yeah. um, but this is one that I know from lots of think pieces that get written about World Cups in general. That the devastating long-term economical effects yeah. was particularly bad for the Brazilian World Cup, yeah. where there was a huge amount of corruption, and Romario was obviously trying to shine a light on the fact that 26 billion, if that, even if it is half of that 
fee that he's thinking 13 billion that could be used on infrastructure and yeah Romario's very very publicly uh, against this World Cup so away from the actual controversy uh, side of things this is the first use of goal line technology and the vanishing spray too right so we've got to 2014 after Frankie Lampard was robbed exactly we could have lost that game (laughs) 4-2 just think of how much better we would have felt if we could have lost it 4-2 this was also a World Cup where every World Cup winning team since the first tournament in 1930 had qualified and it was the last time to date so almost always a previous winner misses out but this is the first and to this day only tournament where every previous winner managed to qualify no way. which is interesting yeah, I just is, yeah. especially because you know at a certain point there were only five six nations that had ever won yeah. it you kind of thought that oh I'm sure there were two or three tournaments where they were all there but they weren't wow. so uh, I thought that was a good pub quiz style question but similar to what you said about the 2010 World Cup uh, there are a lot of teams that kind of flat to deceive so England Spain Italy were all ejected in the group stage it was Dismal, dismal oh. times. Um, Italy and England surprisingly failing to qualify from a group oh, with yeah. Costa Rica and Uruguay. So Rooney gets his World World Cup goal, his only World Cup yeah, goal yeah, against yeah. Uruguay. Yeah. But we we lost yeah. to them, didn't we? Exactly. So we lost. Uh, we lost two of our games. We drew one. Um, it was very, very. Bad this is Hodgson. England. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah Hodgson, the the night owl himself. Mm. Um, just how did he keep his job? It's a great question. I suppose it was especially back in the day when it's like, well, it's English managers now. We've done Sven, we've done Capello, so it's English managers. And we looked around and went, yeah, Hodgson's the only option, really. Well, it's like, funny, really, because you think about it, they didn't really turn to Southgate because they thought he could do it. No, no. Because there was no, no one else. Yeah, Literally exactly no one that. else. Yeah, and, and initially Southgate said he didn't want the job. So maybe that's the key for England managers moving forward. Find someone that doesn't want to manage us. That's good. And that'll do. Fergie. Um, because obviously, <laughs> I'm just moving past that because I, <laughs> I actually, I think that would work. Um, <laughs> but obviously, we've spoken about Hodgson just a second ago. And when he goes, we give it to Big Sam. And that's oh, obviously yeah. the debacle that leads to Southgate stepping in. Yeah. So again, it was like, well, Hodgson's out of the question. We've tried him for two tournaments. Yeah. I guess Big Sam, because there's nobody else. There was no other English managers at the time. Now yeah. we've got a couple of choices. But I think Hodgson had three tournaments, mate. You sure? Yeah, because he came in. 2012. Well, Capello went like literally on the eve of the tournament over the whole John Terry racism thing. That's right. Yeah. So I think he got a freebie in 2012 because it was like, well, he just got here, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. But somehow kept his job for 2014. Hodgson for three tournaments. It is right. Yeah, there's no one else. Yeah. Yeah, because Southgate's only done two. Wow. Look at that. That is nuts. Yeah, that has blown my mind. Mm. We are a sleepy nation, aren't we? How have we let <laughs> Hodgson get away with three tournaments, spurning generation after generation? Should have been riots on the streets. Actually, I'm just thinking now, Hodgson obviously got the Liverpool job as well. Does he just interview better than anyone else in the world? Is he yeah. secretly the most charismatic man in history? He just walks in, fixes you with the big eyes, and you just you just so melt, and you, you go, just, yeah, right. you're putty. Right, you Roy, whatever you want, Roy. Offers you a Werther's original, and you just think, yes, thank you, Grandad Hodgson. Um, but back to this tournament. So uh, Eng- uh, England, Italy, and Spain. Spain finished third with Netherlands and Chile topping their group. So three big guns out in the group stages. Um, but Brazil. Oh, wow. Spain went out. Spain went oh, out. Oh, wow. It's what yet another one of those yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, holders going yeah. out. Brazil, however, were determined to win the World Cup on home soil and banish the ghost of 1950. Mm. Um, so for those that don't know, we have a great podcast that we can recommend on the 1950 World Cup. Look at it in your feed uh, with all the context. But it was obviously to the point of, as you, we discussed on the pod, people killed themselves because Brazil failed to win that 1950 yeah. World Cup. And it the reaction was, to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, w- it was literally unbelievable for anyone outside of Brazil to have such a strong reaction to mm. what is essentially a football t- tournament. Yeah. Um, but 
all of that, even though it had been in 1950, all of that was spoken about in the run-up to this. Um, the poster boy Neymar for Brazil yeah. was being heralded as the great hope, the new Pelé, the kind of the one to, to see Brazil reclaim it for the first time in kind of, you know, a decade or so. Yeah. It had been a while. Uh, he was the poster boy. Barcelona had signed um, Neymar one year earlier, and so he'd moved from Santos uh, oh, to, yeah, to Barcelona. And it was basically like, well, here's the heir apparent. This is the guy that's going to take over um, kind of Ronaldinho's um, talismanic. Do you think Messi made him look better than he was? I think Neymar is a... He's a, a very complicated footballer. He's a talented actually, footballer. He's very wrong, talented. But I don't know if he's as good as he was made out to be. No, I, I think a lot of that is it's a £200 million price tag from Paris Saint-Germain, which isn't going to help. But I do think that season in particular, like the MSN, like Messi, Suarez, yeah, Neymar, yeah. he was unbelievable. And it's things like Neymar that you, you don't associate with him. Like He's a very, or can be, a very hard-working forward, very good striker in terms yeah, of yeah. defensively for the team. He... Um, brought Barcelona back against Paris Saint-Germain. That was all Neymar. Yeah. That wasn't Messi that, yeah. that did that. Like he has brilliance within him. His goal-scoring record internationally is is up there with Pele. I can't. I don't think he's quite overtaken him yet. But I think he's only like two goals away right. from Pele's international record. It, without a doubt, he's a world-class striker. But he he doesn't deserve to be spoken about in the same breath as Pele. He, he just, is up there with Ronaldinho. He's really. never done it on. The biggest stage. And well, I know you and I debate this to the cows come home, but he's never done it on the biggest stage. He's never really even done that well on the biggest stage. So this is what we're going to talk about because basically this tournament hinges on Neymar and what happens to him in the, in right. the um, okay. knockout stages. So with that in mind, I'll move on, but we'll get back. You on move that. on, mate. This is your um, pod. So Neymar, talking about him, he started the tournament in great form. He scored four goals in the group stage, which helped him top the group on goal difference ahead of a, a pot of Mexico, Croatia and Cameroon. He scored the winning penalty against Chile to get through the round of 16 after drawing one all in normal time. He also ran the game in the quarterfinals, having assisted Brazil's opening goal, but a nasty knee in the back from Colombian Juan Zaniga would put Neymar out of the tournament with a fractured vertebrae. Ooh. It took 10 minutes for Neymar to be stretched off the pitch, many players in tears and Brazilian fans fainting. God, I remember that. Yeah, it, they basically wondered if he'd broken his back. Right. It's it a horrible tackle by Juan Zaniga. It's not even a tackle. There's... A, like a, a a header that's dropping down to Neymar and out of nowhere Juan Zaniga just, just knees him in the back yeah, and yeah. breaks yeah, yeah breaks a vertebrae in his back Brazil would win the game 2-1 against Colombia but they were suddenly in a state of panic without him available and Brazil's tournament would end up coming crashing down with the most shocking result in World Cup history Germany scored five goals within those half an hour um, and they were shell-shocked and slaughtered by a free-scoring German team um but we'll get back to that in a bit more detail. Yeah. So Germany had topped a group consisting of USA, Portugal and Ghana. They scored seven and conceded two. So Germany started very well on uh, Brazilian soil. They beat Algeria 2-1 in the last minute of extra time, but they put in a professional performance to knock out France 1-0 in the quarters and then obviously demolished Brazil to book their place in the final. Mm. Uh, the German team came in with a lot of players with great club form. So we're talking Mesut Ozil, Miroslav Klose was still there, Sami Khedira, Mats Hummels, Manuel Neuer, Thomas Muller. Um, they they had a really strong team, a lot of club um, brilliance in there, a lot of club form. Their opponents in the final would be Argentina. So um, Germany were in really good form, but Argentina would boss an easy group. Three wins against Nigeria, Bosnia and Iran. So not the hardest group by any means, but they did, they played what was in front of them. Like five out of the eight teams in the last 16, it took them till extra time to find a winner to qualify for the quarters, which I thought was interesting. So a load of teams, five out of the eight, needed extra time to qualify yeah, yeah. from that round of 16. Argentina would then beat Switzerland 1-0 with only two minutes to go before they were due for a penalty shootout. So oh. 
Argentina were kind of leaving it very late in order to, to win these games. They beat Belgium's emerging golden generation again 1-0 with a goal of Gonzalo Higuain. Uh, and they faced the other informed, formidable nation in the semis and needed to keep their nerve to beat Holland on penalties following a 0-0 draw. So Argentina were great in the group stages against very weak opposition yeah. and then did what we spoke about with Spain last year, yeah. uh, last tournament, sorry. When it all costs. Yeah, exactly. But Argentina, as they knocked out Holland, scored all four of their penalties, whereas uh, the Netherlands only scored two out of four. So Argentina were quite confident in their penalty-taking ability and kind of, you can see, even in the game previously against Switzerland... You kind of felt like, other than obviously Higuain scoring, yeah. they seemed quite happy. They were right with it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is an interesting gamble to make. I don't know if you were an, uh, an international manager, whether you'd be happy going to the It lottery. seems to be more common than we would like to think. Yeah. I mean, for me, penalties are an absolute lottery. But maybe there are the odds of scoring a goal in regular time, without, as in pushing for a goal, yeah, without th- conceding yourself, those odds are worse than... Than taking on penalties. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. Is it's risk reward, isn't it? And I guess if you're backing your your players, if you've seen them in training every single day, smashing in almost every single penalty, yeah. maybe. But like you say, it's it's what we touched on last pod about kind of like the generalization of football get, getting into these kind of like mid 2010s to nowadays yeah. which is it's systems it's how much can you control how much can yeah, you predict yeah. how much can you contain and it's just like the less variables the better there are very few teams that thrive on chaos and i think they need a bit of baseball to come into football yes don't they, they do yes they do <laughs> um so before we get into the match itself i just want to rewind time a little bit to talk about that seven uh, so yes. for those that don't know yeah. brazil were in the semi-finals against Germany on home soil. They had previously, in the last game, as I said, lost Neymar. uh, And I think Thiago Silva was unavailable, I think, as well, for this semi-final. But Brazil, their heads were gone before the game even began. They came out to the pitch wearing T-shirts with messages of support for Neymar. Right. As if he had died. It was very strange. Was he out of the tournament? Yeah, he was out of the tournament. Um, But the injury was not as bad as first reports made it seem he was he was going to be okay he was going to you know there were talk literally at the time of is he going to walk again is this so bad that he's going to be disabled like it was really in the immediate aftermath of the injury there was a lot of fear mongering wow. um, and you saw some of the Brazilian players crying and kind of seeing their friend go through this horrible thing oh, so boy. they came out yeah for the semi-final with like shirts being printed up as if he had passed away it was yeah. very surreal and there was this sense of we're doing it for Neymar it's all for Neymar we're doing it for him and this is a chance for us to put to, to bed the ghost of 1950 and all that so right. they had heaped so much pressure on themselves that Germany turned up and kind of thought well hold on we've just got to do our job which is very German isn't it it's very yeah. efficient no emotion um, yeah exactly but um, Germany did exactly that and, and like I said so going back to some of the stats here not only were they battered but 7-1, it equates to, um, from the first goal going in to the seventh goal going in, it was a goal every six minutes, wow. which is just... I remember feeling like it got out of control very quickly. Yeah, it, it, it just, it was shell shock. Like, I think, so we're, we're recording this a couple of days after... I was going to say, it's similar to, yeah. Exactly, a couple of days the after... The night of your life. Yeah, Liverpool battered and embarrassed and humiliated Manchester United. <laughs> uh, don't worry, we're going to lose to Bournemouth next week anyway, so yeah. it doesn't matter. But I remember almost feeling like watching a box it was like watching a boxing match and you kind of thought just put them out of their misery yeah uh, like you don't need to keep on getting more you don't need to to press this home so brazil are obviously shambolic there's no defense they go walking it was actually a very similar performance to united against liverpool where by the time the fourth goal's gone in all of brazil have just 
they've, they've stopped trying to play football. It's really bizarre. Historical Germany 2, Brazil 0. And then what happens is at halftime, apparently the German players got together and said, we don't need to do this. Yeah. Let's just see the rest of the game. And actually Germany... Is it 7-1 at halftime? No, it was 5-0. Right. And they said in the changing room, like, we don't need to keep on doing this. We've It's it's the punch Ali never gave Liston <laughs> as, as he's fallen to the ground. Very good. Um, and then everyone except Andre Schurler uh, gets the memo because he comes on as a sub and he runs around like a madman and he gets his two goals. Andre Schurler, it's seven. Stunning. Yeah. Um, because he's basically going, hold on, I, I've been a sub here. I'm not going to just, uh, <laughs> which I kind of admire that attitude. Where yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm not just going to sit back and let everyone else have a fun. <laughs> so Andrea Schoeller oh, comes on, on yeah. yeah, spanks two brilliant goals in uh, just to, to add insult to injury. Yeah. But there was just absolute silence in, in Brazil when each goal was going in. Again, it cuts the crowd. There's people crying. And oh, I don't, I, I've never ever, and probably will never, I've never remembered a result as shocking as that. I don't, I don't know if you it's can ridiculous, think of anything. It? No, it was ridiculous. Because even when underdogs win or like a team you never thought, like I don't know, Denmark win the Euros, like mm. it's brilliant, but it, it's over the course of a tournament and underdog stories do, do happen. It's one of those things where it feels like the world's changed. Yeah. yeah that's exactly. that's a good way of describing it. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, the world is probably an overstatement with the Premier League game, but it's, it is similar to the Liverpool. You're just watching it going, what... Is this real? Yeah. Am I in the Matrix? Like, that's that's, that, that's how it felt. Yeah, because these were two evenly matched teams. Again, similar to Liverpool Man United thing, where on paper, they're very Not that evenly, evenly matched. matched, really, mate. <laughs> As Gary Neville said, do one, which I enjoy. <laughs> Who in the world, if you if you could have quizzed every football fan in the known universe, yeah. not one of them would have predicted that result. No. Like, you, you would have literally... Not seriously, millions, no. no. you no. would have had millions of people... Yeah. predicting everything other than what actually went on. Um, but obviously, once Germany destroyed and demolished Brazil on, on home turf, they felt like, this is ours now. It doesn't matter who we face, we will yeah. be able to win. It was yeah. like, that was, for them, that was the real quiz. Like, if they can beat Argent, uh, sorry, beat Brazil yeah. in Brazil, yeah. then no one else is going to be able to stop them. So, uh, with all of that said, with all of that context, let's head into the actual World Cup final. <laughs> So, this game was being played at, at the historic Maracana in Rio de Janeiro, which is just, it's its not the home of I football, didn't know, but it's yeah. the unofficial I didn't know it was at the, to be honest, I didn't know that, that stadium was still operational. Yeah, I don't really think that it's in use anymore. No. I think this was like the last hurrah of being able to get away with it. So, uh, this was a rarity where uh, it was almost an exact 50-50 split in terms of betting odds before the final. Mm. Um, Messi, at this time, being one of the greatest players in the world still, but Germany being the better squad overall. So, um, Argentina, yeah, we're, we're a decent team. They had some very good players, but yeah. really it was, is Messi going to be unplayable? Yeah. Whereas Germany, as I said before, had so many um, players coming in on really good uh, form. The only absence they had was their stalwart, Sami Kadira, was injured in the warm-up, so it forced a last-minute change. Um, but as the game began, three minutes in, Argentina countered a poorly taken Germany free kick. They moved up the pitch, but Higuain drags his shot from outside the area just wide, which is going to be a little bit of a pattern here, which I know that Argentina fans in particular really dislike Higuain, despite the fact he's got a good goal-scoring record for them. Misses a lot. Yeah, yeah. misses all of these kind yeah. of guilt-edged opportunities. So uh, nine minutes in, Messi dribbles into the Germany penalty box, but can't quite find his equal Lovetsy. Uh, Germany, however, after those initial kind of 10 minutes where Argentina pushed forward, 
Uh, they have considering more of the early possession but it's a defensive error on 20 minutes when Tony Cruz gives Argentina the best opportunity this far leaving Higuain one-on-one with Manuel Neuer but shot from the edge of the penalty area went wide of the goal again so it's not just that Higuain's getting his chance of missing it's that he's not testing the keeper yeah, as well right, yeah. um, so it's not great but yeah Tony Cruz just it's very, it's very Thomas Muller of him it's very Thomas Muller of him there we go tick that box again <laughs> thank you Argentina believe they made the breakthrough though somewhat against the run of play when Lavezzi crossed the ball for Higuain to slot home only for it to be ruled offside almost immediately so Argentina are kind of huffing and puffing but not able to kind of break the walls down oh just went, went a bit Chris Jericho there <laughs> I can't I can't say that phrase without hearing the, the theme tune just oh, coming like two in J's, eh? <laughs> For those that don't get it, you're missing out. You're missing out on the childhood. Um, so half an hour into the game, Germany hadn't managed to turn their possession into attempts on goal, but Andre Schürrle, who came on for the injured Kramer, struck a fierce shot that was going top bins until Sergio Romero, who's basically famous for this World Cup and then being Man United's backup goalkeeper, yeah. um, conjured a really good save to deny the German. Messi would come even closer to breaking the deadlock with his shot gets cleared off the line by his nemesis, Jerome Boateng. So this is where is I that think... that his ne- nemesis? Well, I only Didn't say make that. a fool of him? Exactly. Right. So this, I only say that because I feel like Jerome Boateng is inextricably linked with Messi, but not for any good reason being other than... Sat down. Yeah, yeah, being embarrassed in one of Messi's probably top five... <laughs> most historic goals and nowadays Jerome Boateng not somebody you want to Google so we'll move on from that which is quite sad um, yeah a bit of controversy there right. of uh, sexual assault and not very nice things lovely Jerome yeah so in a way it's quite nice that he was publicly embarrassed but yeah. moving on from that uh, even closer again it is Germany um, centre-back Benedict Howardays or Howardays don't know how you pronounce it whose header from a cruise corner strikes the post and bounces away so leaves both teams poised at nil-nil as they head in for half-time Argentina, again, like they did at the start of the game, come out the uh, starters blocks with loads of energy. Messi finds himself one-on-one with Manuel Neuer, only to finish wider the goal. No way. So Messi, yes. Yeah, sort out, Lionel. Exactly. Uh, and then Aguero replaces Levetzi for Argentina. But despite the exciting start to the second half, the game slowly descends into a bit of a poor draw. So it's basically Mascherano and Aguero booked as the game loses its cutting edge. Right. And the second half, exactly like we spoke about in the kind of semi-finals or penalties where yeah. neither team wanted to really risk it. So yeah. they started playing more and more conservative. But Argentina um, came out afterwards. A few of their players said they were actively playing for penalties. Yeah. So uh, it's youngster Mario Gomez who gets brought on just before extra time for Miroslav Kloser, who in this would play his last game for Germany and would be bound out as top goal scorer in World Cup history I mean how is he still going yeah he that's did that's amazing he I played 2002 didn't he that's right so I think he's like 35 but oh. his last game comes at this World Cup final so he retires afterwards which um, good for him for going out yeah not high. bad yeah, yeah not um, bad but yeah, a young Mario Gomez replaces him. So as extra time begins, it's Mario Goetze, who's the bright spark in the game. Uh, he finds teammate Andreas Schürrle, who shot, his, um, unfortunately, it's straight at Romero. It then seemed that Argentina were confident to play for penalties, especially following their faultless display, scoring four from four yeah. against the Netherlands. But Germany have different ideas, and in the 113th minute, on, is that the latest winner? It's got to be the latest winner for a World Cup, I reckon. Just trying to think what the Iniesta one was. I think Iniesta's was later. Maybe. I think it's like 118 Iniesta. We're gonna we're gonna research now. Some time later. So the fact checks just come in, and 116 was Iniesta. So either way, two incredibly late. Seven yeah, minutes right. remaining, four minutes remaining in each final. Obviously, yeah. two tournaments in a row yeah, as well, yeah, which yeah. is yeah. interesting. So 
uh, with Mario Goetze, who at the time, I don't know factually, I think he's like 19 years old. He's a proper youngster, mm. and he chests the ball down. It's a really good uh, ball. Chests good, the ball, yeah, yeah. strikes it on the volley, and it is just pandemonium. It's amazing, and you just think this young lad representing like his nation in, in on Brazil. It's dreams, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's just, you can't think of any better. In the Maracana, like, yeah, it's just absolutely astonishing stuff. Still full of running, and it's Goetze! It's Mario Goetze! It's Super Mario! He might just have won the World Cup for Germany! Messi has a chance to equalise from a dangerous position, but his free kick is launched over, and that's pretty much the last kick of the game, and Germany end up being crowned world champions. So, after extra time in the actual match, we'll go to our extra time. Well, you have just witnessed 90 of the most gripping minutes of European football you will ever, ever see. But the good news is there's more to come. So, journalist Christian Gadecki, writing in Der Spiegel. Uh, oh, yeah, no. Well. Oh, yeah, classic, classic uh, publication there. Uh, the Spiegs, I call it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Gadecki writing in the Spiegs yeah. uh, wrote now Germany is world champion and German football is barely recognisable it's the perfect mix of virtue and magic of hurrah and heave ho which I thought wow yeah I, I also thought that's written in German so what German word translates yeah. as heave ho because yeah. that's a very British idiom um, but nevertheless it's Clearly, they were on a high because, to be fair, we've obviously spoken. He's about, probably drunk, Venice. Uh, absolutely, yeah. A few steins, a few steins deep for Oktoberfest. <laughs> um, <laughs> Stereotyping the entire nation. I love it. Dressed in lederhosen <laughs> with his best friend Fritz <laughs> in a Bavarian tavern. Um, but it is a good point. We've kind of spoken a bit about identities, like culturally yeah. and internationally. And so German, the efficiency, the grinding out wins, the kind of doing what they need to do. Yeah. This was a rather attacking Germany. We spoke about, I think at the start, like seven goals to to against them. Like they were relatively yeah. free scoring. Ob- obviously the 7-1 helps things. But I think this was a new, for, similar, I guess, to how we feel about England now over the last maybe four to six years. It's that same for Germany where it's like, oh, we're not just an efficient team that churns out winners yeah. we can entertain we can um, play creative football obviously Mario Goetze came on as a sub in this game Mesut Ozil like they've got Andrea Schürrler was very direct yeah. at the time it clearly was a, a new sense of Germany yeah. um, under Joachim Lowe the guy who loves a scratch and sniff he does uh, he does love a scratch and sniff uh, is this after he finished the OC <laughs> yeah, that's right yeah <laughs> That's such a good shout. For those for those that don't know, just go and search the OC for the dad. Uh, Sandy I think it's Cohen. Pe- yeah, Sandy Cohen, Peter Gallagher. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just him and Joachim Lowe next next to each other. Yeah. Um, so writers in another German publication described the final as a fitting punchline to the tournament, noting that there won't be debates like there were in Rome in 1990 when the penalty that Andreas Bremer netted for their 1-0 victory was controversial and triggered conspiracy theories against FIFA amongst the Argentinians. <laughs> so I think what they were saying yeah. is... We deserve to win over the space of 120 minutes, and and no over the tournament, yet. I think exactly. And I yeah. think that you know it, it. It pains me to say that, but I think I remember thinking, "Fair play, Germany should have deserved. won that tournament." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and and the dismantling of Brazil alone should almost yeah, win you the yeah. trophy. It's like if you can do that on the world's biggest stage yeah, against the hosts, yeah. you kind of yeah you, you've earned your stripes. Yeah. Um. So despite I think I mentioned despite coming on a substitute and only being on the pitch over half an hour, Mario Goetze was given man the match. 
So he literally changed wow. the game. I Blimey. think, especially because that second half was quite. Does that dour. tell you about the rest of the game? Exactly. Yeah. I think Mario Götze came on and, and and made it happen. So right. credit to him. Germany became the first European team to win a World Cup stage in the Americas. So uh, interesting about going on to foreign soil. Yeah. Uh, and this result marked the third consecutive title won by a European team after Italy in 06 and Spain in 2010. Yeah. Um, so we spoke off pod, I think, about the fact that European club football over these kind of early 2000s, 2010s, started to really separate because of the money and the influx in yeah, TV yeah. rights, etc. And so European club football, and therefore the players competing in that, it translated to the nations when yep. it started to, to really dominate. Uruguay's Luis Suarez bit Chiellini in a group stage match. So yeah. again, just, just a little note to say that Suarez hasn't changed. Four years on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just yeah. Still, still the same bloke, and he bit him in the shoulder. He was shown the red card and banned for nine games by FIFA's disciplinary committee. Um, Messi was awarded the golden ball, which I remember was quite controversial. And if you look up the photos, Messi thinks it's controversial because he isn't <laughs> smiling. He's like, why have I been given this? Despite yeah, the fact yeah. he had a good tournament, yeah. there was definitely an argument for other players. Even Neymar, who was obviously injured, had yeah. scored loads of goals in the tournament, got Brazil to a certain thing. But yeah, the, the f- they just gave Messi the award because it's Lionel Messi. But they couldn't give it to Neymar, mate, because he died. Well, that's true, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rest in peace, Neymar. You're right. <laughs> R.I.P. Uh, <laughs> Neymar. Um, Neuer was given the golden glove for the best goalkeeper, of course, yeah. um, which was thoroughly deserved as well. Um, and then finally, this is an abstract one I don't think you'll get, but surprise me, Ali. Do you know the top goal scorer in this tournament? It was not from a nation that made it to the final. Oh, man. I wouldn't have a clue. Name me the country. Colombia. Ah, oh, the guy that went to United. What's his name? No, you're thinking of Falcao. It's not Falcao because no. he was famously injured for this one. Oh, World okay. Who is it? He played for your beloved Everton for a season. Oh, definitely wouldn't know him. James Rodriguez. He scores. Oh, the- yeah, of course. James. James, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, mate. I should have referred to him as James Roberts, <laughs> his English name. Um, yeah, he's got an absolute worldy, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the chest on the, yeah. on the turn and hits the volley. It's just sumptuous. So yeah, I would never have remembered that Hamas Rodriguez was actually the the, um, golden boot winner for this World Cup. But with that, that is the 2014 World Cup. Fantastic. And uh, it's actually going to be me again next week for the 2018 World Cup final. Uh, When life peaked. When life peaked. We're just going to talk about England the whole time (laughs) because uh, we can dream. So with that, join us next week and uh, like, subscribe, follow all those things that you do on your podcasts. 